to Wooden Sticks with Kevin Gorg as we hope to connect with former Minnesota hockey players, coaches, and managers. Later today, I'm very excited to be joined by Rachel Ramsey, one of the all-time great uh, women's hockey players from the state of Minnesota. She won a uh, state championship playing high school hockey over at Minnetonka, went on to play for the Golden Gophers, and won three national championships with Minnesota, and then ended up playing some pro hockey after that. She, of course, is the daughter of Mike Ramsey, longtime NHL star, assistant coach for Jacques Lemaire and the Minnesota Wild in the early days of that organization, and Mike also a member of the 1980 Miracle on Ice team. Rachel, uh, who I've known for years, just a terrific personality in town. She works for K102, unbelievable ambassador for women's hockey, and certainly a lot of young Players looked up to her when when she was both a high school and college player here in the state. So we'll have her on in a little bit here. And on the heels of a wonderful start to this podcast with Lou Nanny from our uh, very first episode and, and kind of walking down memory lane as he gets ready for the uh, 60th consecutive time to broadcast the Boys State High School Hockey Tournament. Louie was fantastic. And that's the type of guest we're hoping to have here uh, week by week. We're going to connect with a lot of different players uh, from Minnesota, a lot of different coaches, and that's the beauty of getting older, which I am. Uh, you have a lot of time with different people and you have a lot of different angles to take. And so from my playing days to my coaching days and into my broadcast career, been around the game for a long time here in Minnesota, going back to, geez, almost 40 years ago when uh, my high school career ended with the state championship at Burnsville, which was awesome, but uh, some wonderful people. And, and that got me into women's hockey. I remember – uh, coaching boys high school hockey at both Moundsview and Burnsville. Tom Osiki, my head coach from Burnsville, was the reason I went into coaching. He was the guy I looked up to and uh, kind of my mentor along the way. And I always said if, if he ever had a job down the road where he got involved and back into the game, and he had always talked about coaching college hockey. He had moved on from coaching high school, had some connections at Wisconsin and was helping out here, helping out there. And Tom was my guy. So if you ever get a college job, think of me, and I'd love to be one of your assistant coaches if I get the opportunity. And so after my fifth year of boys high school hockey, Tom contacted me and said he was in line to take the first job at St. Thomas as they were transitioning into women's college hockey. They had had a club team. They were going to go Division three, And so this was 1998, and Tom called me up and, and said, are you interested? And I had just suffered through a tough year at Moundsview, my second year there, uh, we we took our lumps and had gotten beat in the first round of the sections, and it was a it was a tough season. And Tom really picked up my spirits and was really excited because you know he knew I'd played my college hockey for the Tommies, and so it was a natural. And I resigned at Moundsview and took a leap of faith to coach with uh, Coach O, as we called him. A couple weeks after I took the gig, um, he called with some bad news. He had been extended an offer from the University of Wisconsin's women's program to be a part of their coaching staff and sadly was not going to take the gig at St. Thomas. So now I was kind of off left on an island and I called St. Thomas and at the time the athletic director was Steve Fritz, longtime athletic director, tremendous man, and I uh, was lucky enough to interview and get the job after uh, Coach O had left. I was the first head coach in, in program history and had a wonderful go of it for a decade, loved my time at St. Thomas, loved coaching on the women's side. And I really didn't know. I'll never forget that first day at the rink. I'd hired my good friend, Tom Palkowski to be my assistant coach. And he had been uh, with me on my staff at Moundsview and we got out to the rink. And, you know, when you take over a club team, there's no recruiting. We kind of taken over late and just were kind of left with a roster 
of like 20 players. And we got out in the rink at Parade Ice Gardens and, you know, we're letting the players shuffle around, throw pucks around, have a little conversation here or there. Then we started practice. And, you know, I'm not kidding. Half these kids couldn't complete a pass. And Coach Palkowski looked at me and started skating towards the door. <laughs> I'm like, wait a minute here. You're not going to leave me here alone. I, I said, I have no idea how we're going to do this, but I know that I can't do it by myself. I basically begged him to stay, and he did. And uh, and and it turned out to be just an amazing season because we had scheduled St. Cloud State, UMD, some of these Division One programs early in our campaign, and we just got our doors blown off. Got beat 10 nothing, 12-1. A little disheartening for all of us, especially the kids, but as – as the days went by and, and we started to really run these kids through practice as something they had never done. Some of these kids actually played high school basketball. Our player from Eveleth, Tina Simonson, was actually a, a high school basketball player. So there were some, some growing pains for certain. But then once we started getting into the routine of practice and we started playing these games against teams we could compete with and the players started to see some success, I mean, they, they made some unbelievable strides. And having coached together at the high school level where – when you coach high school boys that are 16, 17, and 18 years old, first of all, they've been playing all their lives and they don't need as much coaching. Second of all, just ask them. They don't need the coaching. Uh, these gals were so receptive and you could mark the improvement week by week. You could physically see how much better these kids were getting. We had a ball. And at the end of the year, we didn't even finish 500. I think we ended up finishing like 9 and 13 with a couple of ties mixed in. But we really had a fantastic time of it. And then we started recruiting and you could see the program build, and it wasn't hard to get kids interested in going to school at St. Thomas, Twin Cities, beautiful campus, nice academic place. And so as the years went on, we really started to build that thing up and, and just had a heck of a go of it. When I left in 2007 after that season, uh, at that point it was Fox Sports North wanted me to come on full-time, work some wild, work some twins, do the whole thing. Tom took over the program, did a remarkable job, ended up uh, having that program nationally ranked for years. And so – as fate would have it, uh, they were in good hands. And so my tie to women's hockey is deep. I um, I have a ton of respect and admiration for the players. I know a lot of them. Just had the chance when we did Hockey Day Minnesota on Valley Sports North up in Warroad to reconnect with another one of my assistant coaches, Rhonda Curtin. And it was just like being back in that coach's office with, with Tom and Rhonda and the jokes and the stories. And a couple of our players were actually up there in Warroad, including Mo Hardwick, who was a star back in the day for the Warriors. So um, if I ever get back into coaching, it'll probably be on the women's side or the girls' side because of that time that I had. I've got three awesome daughters, Katarina, Madeline, and uh, and Annika. And those players that I coached at St. Thomas in that decade all ended up being babysitters. And uh, the, my girls were always around the rink. And so they've, they've known those girls uh, for a long, long time. And so it, it, it's a special place in my heart. And, and then, you know, watching uh, what Rachel Ramsey did at Minnetonka, I was uh, good buddies with her goalie, Julie Friend. I had worked a hockey school with Julie and so kind of followed her career. Uh, and and she was the goaltender on that state championship team. And to see the success that Rachel had beyond high school into her time at the University of Minnesota with the three national championships. And we've had, our, had her on Valley Sports North on some of our broadcasts. And, you know, she's been an ambassador for the game. She's been a role model. She's been a player that kids look up to, you know, six feet tall on the blue line with good hands and offensive instincts. Uh, these are things you look for, boys or girls. You just didn't see as many six-footers on the on the women's side. But a lot of times when when kids are that tall, they don't have that agility and that speed and that skill. She did. She was the 
the whole package and and the numbers she put up were amazing. And so uh, as as Paul Allen, our favorite radio personality here in the Twin Cities, likes to to say, she's pronger with a ponytail, and and that's a compliment because she was the the entire package of everything you want in a uh, high level defenseman. Can skate, can defend. Of course, with her reach, a big advantage. Silky mitts to make good plays, and then when it was time to put the puck in the net, she could blast it. Good bloodlines, as I mentioned. Her dad, longtime NHLer. Uh, I got to know Mike when he was coaching with Jacques. Lemaire in the early years of the Minnesota Wild. And, um, you know, anytime I can connect with anybody that was a part of that 1980 Miracle on Ice team, and I, I can't wait to get Rachel's thoughts on on some of those conversations uh, from, from back in 1980, which is certainly be- before her time. But uh, I know Mike certainly had a big influence on her success and really looking forward to the conversation. Rachel Ramsey, former stud defenseman at Minnetonka, and over at the University of Minnesota. And that's coming your way next here on Wooden Sticks. We're back on Wooden Sticks. Kevin Gorg with you. And as I mentioned uh, at the top of the show, really excited to chat with uh, with Rachel Ramsey. Rachel, thanks for being here today. Thanks so much for having me. I'm excited to be here. Now, you're too young to appreciate Wooden Sticks, our title, but for guys my age and your dad's age, uh, we played the game back in the day with wooden sticks. I'm just curious, when you first started playing hockey, what type of stick did you have and how different is that stick from what the ladies are using now? Well, you want to know how crazy the the stick that I had was um, all the way up until I was probably 12 years old. My dad didn't want to <laughs> buy sticks, which I can uh, I can respect given the price tag. But for those don't know, that don't know, my dad was coaching for the Wild at the time. So he would um, wait until a player snapped a stick during practice grab it out of the trash bin, saw it in half. And I'm pretty sure it was a Brad Bombardier blade that he would stick in the bottom of it. So um, the flex must've been a 200 flex because it was a whoever stick cut in half. So I couldn't bend a stick until I was in middle school. So um, I, I certainly appreciate the the title of this podcast. Well, and you were little when the wild first came to be. And as I mentioned in our prelude before we connected with you here that, you know, your dad was a longtime NHL or also Jacques Lemaire's assistant coach. How much time did you spend around the middle, uh, the Minnesota wild when you were a kid? I mean, honestly, my, my entire childhood, um, I feel very, very fortunate that I got to grow up as a rink rat, like a lot of kids. I mean, I spent a lot of time down at the park and at the pond, but every single Saturday and Sunday that the wild was in town that, um, I wasn't playing in a tournament. I was down at the rink and would hop in the car with my dad. He'd go down on practice day or game day. And I'd spend hours just, you know, skating around, uh, at the X until Jock or Mario would come out on the ice and, and kick me off before, before practice. But I would try and stay out there as long as possible. Sometimes, uh, sometimes too long until they start yelling at me, but, um, no, I mean, my whole, my whole childhood, very fortunate to grow up around, um, the rink and, and the team. And for a lot of us that were around during the 1980 Olympics, that that sporting event stands alone. And for me at age near 57, Rachel, it's still, the greatest sporting event I ever witnessed when your dad and and the Americans beat the Russians in the semifinals of that Olympic year. When as a kid, did you realize what a big deal that was? You know, I don't think it was until the movie miracle came out, Hmm. to be honest. Um, you know, my dad to this day is still my dad. I'm sure a lot of people, you know, look at that team and and everything else and and how cool that was. And, you know, everybody's got their, their favorite players and, uh, I'm sure he was, a few folks when, when they were growing up, but, um, he was just my dad. So, I mean, 
the the miracle game and everything else didn't seem like that big of a deal to to myself or I think my siblings until the miracle movie came out um and it seemed like all of our all of our friends that we were playing hockey with and going to school with had had seen the movie uh the who we play in rammer line that I got <laughs> yelled at me uh <laughs> my entire childhood but it wasn't really until that moment to be honest well and, and as a movie guy and I am a movie guy that one stands up. Uh, I just watched it about a month ago. And, you know, sometimes you watch movies that try to document what's happened in the sporting world and they just don't hold up or the hockey footage isn't legit. The one thing they really did right with that movie, Rach, is the guys they hired to be the players. I coached Billy Schneider at Mountview when I was a boys' high school coach. He plays his dad, Buzz. Uh, you got Nate Miller in there. I thought they really did a hell of a job of making the hockey sequences, even the the practice uh, scenes, feel real. They really did. It's unbelievable. And I think that was the cool thing is that they went with hockey players first. And you notice that when you are, like you said, watching the hockey sequences. And I think you notice the difference between that. And I'm a big movie buff myself, big sports movie fan as well. And you watch a, you know, a high school football movie or something like that. And uh, the quarterback drops back to throw and you're like, this guy's never picked up a football in his entire life. What, is, what, what are we doing here? Um, and I think you see that all the time in sports movies, a baseball player that, that they can't throw a pitch, but they're supposed to be playing the superstar pitcher. Right. And it's the right. coolest thing to me about that movie that they um, went with hockey players first. And you can see that because there really is no other way to do that. You can't find actors and teach them to skate. It's, it's not going to be authentic and it's, um, it's not going to look great. Then you're going to make Mighty Ducks, which is one of my favorite movies. So I'm not going to knock on that, but you've got to go with the hockey players first. And I thought that was really cool the way they did that. Okay. So growing up, I mean, your dad's Mike Ramsey. So the, the great side of the equation is you're going to get Mike Ramsey in your ear day by day. The tough part is there are some expectations and some pressure that go along with it. Uh, what type of influence did, did he have on you as a young hockey player? I mean, to be honest, I didn't listen to him at all. Uh, like I said, he, he was he was dad. And that's to, oh my gosh, did he hate it? And we joke about it now looking back. Um, even I remember when I was really young and just started taping my socks and I was taping directly over my knees. Uh, as you can imagine, then you can't bend your knees, right? So I'm skating with my legs stick straight, uh, stick straight for, for probably weeks, if not months. And he keeps telling me, you got to take the tape off your knees. You got to take the tape off your knees. You can't skate like that. And I won't listen to him. And literally he whispered in one of my coach's ears and said, Hey, will you mention to her to just stop taping her knees? I guess I don't remember this, but I guess my coach did. I came home and I was like, dad, my coach said I should stop taping my knees and I can skate so much faster now. <laughs> and, uh, I mean, there was a, there's a million moments like that. It was one of the the perks of growing up too at the rink of, he tried to teach me how to, how to work on my slap shot or something. And I'm not listening to him. And he'd whisper in a player's ear and go, could you tell Rachel to close her blade or do something like that? And, you know, honestly, it's, um, I can look back and, and appreciate and respect it now. Um, everything that, that he taught me and the influence that I, that he got to put on my hockey and my life, but it was just, it was just dad. And, uh, just like anybody else, for the most part, he had to have somebody else, um, <laughs> tell, tell me what to do if I was actually going to listen to him. So the girls game started uh, really getting cranked up in Minnesota in the late nineties. And you're, you're growing up as a kid playing in the early two thousands, which would lead to your high school career later. And then on to college and in, in the, the decade between 2010 and 2020. So who was the player or players who were the players that, that maybe you looked up to, and maybe when you were a kid um, and that rink rat that you wanted to go watch and, and maybe idolize a little bit as a youngster. 
You know, I, I remember um, going to my first Gopher women's hockey game and it was my 10th birthday. My grandparents took me. Um, and honestly, I couldn't tell you who was playing at the, at the time. I just remember sitting there and my grandma looked over at me and she goes, you need to shut your mouth or the flies are going to uh, get in. Like that's my jaw was just dropped the entire time. I was just in awe. And it was the first time that I had seen um, women's hockey at that level, uh, you know, gave me a something to look, you know, look forward to and, and stride towards. Um, so that was the coolest thing ever for me. But just being around the rink, um, you know, that the early 2000s wild team that was, you know, made the deep playoff run, I think in, in 03, a lot of great guys on that team to, to look forward, um, look up to, you know, Brad Brown was, was my favorite player, which is a name not many people might know, but somebody I really looked up to and respected. But on the girls' side of the game, I mean, Wendell, Darwitz, you know, the, the greats that were, that were skating around with them on their Jersey around that time. And that was a great time to, to be a fan of, of the women's game, because you mentioned some of those names, those were kind of the pioneers that took the game to that next level. And by the time you started playing high school hockey at Minnetonka, we had seen a handful of big time stars. It's starting with Natalie Darwitz, Chrissy Wendell, as you mentioned, I think of the Curtin sisters who like you were, were taller, right? Five ten, five eleven, six feet tall, which on the girls' side, we didn't see right away. But as the game evolved, you started to see athletes, like on the boys' side, that were some in small packages, some in, in, in taller packages. By the time you got to Minnetonka, how much did you realize what a big deal high school hockey was in Minnesota? Because when you're a, a young player in Minnesota, you have that state tournament kind of hanging out there. And I'm, I'm certain when you play in a program like Minnetonka, you guys were used to winning, so you had to know that might be part of the uh, of the plan moving forward. Well, it's it's funny you say that. We were fortunate enough to win my senior year, uh, mm -hmm. and we had an incredible team. Um, Julie Friend, who went D, our goalie, who went D one to St. Cloud, and Carolyn Dreyer and, and Paige Baldwin who went D three locally. I mean, we had a lot of talent that, in the senior class, but I think we had six or seven girls my senior year um, that were sophomores that ended up playing D one too. So that team was unbelievable. But leading up until that, when I got into the Minnetonka high school program and we didn't have a, a shot in winning sections, let alone making it to the state tournament, my, my freshman year, when I came in, it honestly wasn't even a, even a thought, um, which is crazy to think about looking the, at the powerhouse program, the, <laughs> the boys always was, but the boys and girls are now. Um, so it was a really kind of crazy couple of years from my freshman year until my senior year, that team developed so much. The talent that came up um, in that organization was, was so strong. So by, by senior year, yeah, I mean, it was, that was the expectation was this is the year we're going to do it. We're going to, we're going to make it to state. And then we were fortunate enough to, to win, which was, um, you know, for any hockey player that's had the privilege of, of playing in the state tournament knows it's, it's a once in a lifetime experience. You and I share that, that same memory and mine was long before yours in 1985, but what was your favorite memory after it happened. So I, I have one that I want to get to after I hear yours, but you know, as a kid, you dream of that moment, right? You, you win mm -hmm. the championship, you're playing with the gals you grew up playing with your buddies representing Minnetonka. It's an unbelievable night. It's, it's a night you never forget. So looking back now as a full grown adult, you know, a decade plus removed from that magical moment in your career, what was your favorite moment? Maybe right after the game. Um, Honestly, just almost like the relief in the relief in winning and the excitement of thinking finally. I mean, I just remember crying after the game. It was um, I mean, people have asked, you know, when you when you win different championships and different tournaments and things like that, which one was the best or which one was your your favorite? 
and you know it's it's hard to choose but I was you know fortunate enough to play with some some great gopher teams with some national championships there and uh oftentimes I think feel like the state tournament and that state championship was um was more monumental in my mind or a, a bigger moment which some people might think is crazy but like you said you're playing with the girls that you played with your entire life yep um, and you're, you're working towards something that, you know, you maybe it's, you maybe didn't think it was possible. And then every year you get closer and you get closer and you're like, okay, you can almost taste it. Um, we can do this. And when you do, it's kind of that, the combo of that, that excitement and that relief. And so it's not really a particular moment, but just, I think that feeling, um, you know, looking back there celebrating with, with all of those girls that you've played with for, for 10 years and thinking, you know, we did it. There's, there's honestly nothing cooler, um, nothing cooler than that. We didn't want to take our gear off. I remember that night vividly because we get done and we sat in the locker room and one of the guys, again, this is going to date me a little bit, but we had a tune box <laughs> and you know, this little, you know, tune box from the eighties. And we had, we are the champions playing. And we were all kind of arm in arm in the locker room, singing the song together and doing the water bottle thing on top of the head, all that good stuff. But then we just sat there and we knew this was the last time we were going to be together. Like a lot of us were seniors. I was a senior. This was it for high school hockey. We were going off to college. I was going off to play junior hockey. And so we basically just sat in our gear for almost an hour just to soak it up for one last time, because you mentioned it. There is just something different about growing up with a group of players and having that journey and that dream together and finally seeing it happen. For us at Burnsville, it was the first one in the history of the school. You mentioned it in Minnetonka. When you got there, that wasn't even on your radar. And then to, to come full circle to that night, uh, for me, Anything that happened after that was never going to live up to that one night. And then for you, though, you just mentioned it. I didn't get the, the national championship run that you did. You won three times at the University of Minnesota. So I guess my question to you, Rachel, is how much did your experience, having done that at the high school level, allow you to have maybe that success at the next level and be a part of three more championship teams? I mean, I felt so spoiled walking in freshman year um, to that team. I didn't feel like I even belonged there. I don't think anybody does right when they, hmm. when they show up day one, um, when you take the step to the next level. And I remember even having captain's practice and calling my mom in a full panic and was like, I can't do this. I can't, I can't, I can't keep up with these girls, you know? Um, and then to do it for four years, it's, it's crazy to think back. Um, and I even go watch the games now and, and see them play. And I'm like, really? Did, did I skate out there? Cause it sure didn't feel like it. Um, but I mean, walking into that, um, that team, that was just, it was a stacked team, um, my freshman year, which was, which was unbelievable. And each of those championships was, was very different and a very different feeling. Um, and that first year was one of those where none of the girls in that team, they hadn't won, even the fifth year seniors, um, hadn't won a championship in their time. So it was one of those things where you walked in and you wanted to do it for the girls ahead of you. Um, you wanted them to leave with that national championship, the girls that had paved the way to make the team what it was when you got there, you know? Um, and so it was, I don't know that the, the state championship in, in high school that, you know, me walking in the locker room had the, <laughs> had the biggest effect there on, on the end result in Minnesota, my freshman year. But, um, but man, it was, it was special to be a part of it and, and to walk into that team who had been another example of a team that had been building for years and years and years to finally get to that moment. It was, it was special. And you had a career where you continued to produce all the way through at the U of M. You, you continued to be a dominant player on that blue line, ended up being a Patty Kazmaier finalist. These are things that only come to players that are elite at your position. And so I guess right now we're living in a world where we're very excited about the P-Dub. The PWHL mm -hmm. has taken, uh, you know, both 
North America, Canada and the United States, North America in its entirety by storm. And it's a really big deal. How much was pro hockey on your radar back in, in your time at the U of M? I'm talking back 2011, 12, 13. How much did it, did it resonate that that was a possibility? Because you ended up playing pro hockey, but it isn't like it is today with the P-Dub. No, yeah. I mean, when I was graduating, it, it didn't exist in anywhere near the capacity it does, right? So it was um, more so Olympics or bust. Um, you were going to continue and play USA hockey and, um, you know, go for that every four years or or you were done. Or, you know, white caps really paved the way for what where, what professional women's hockey looks like now in, in that league that um, – you know, had a few different, uh, iterations over the years. So I had a lot of friends that went and did that, but like you said, it's, it's not what it is now. And that's, um, it's really cool to see. And I'm really excited for, for the women's game and, and giving girls something to look up to, um, beyond college and beyond the Olympics too, you know, something that's, uh, every year and, and more consistent and, um, a league of your own, right. Yeah. Uh, seeing all the, all the teams and girls that were at that very first, um, Minnesota game here a, a couple months back and filling, you know, that whole their lower bowl. And, and if not a giant chunk of the upper at, of, of the X and the support that that team had from the state of Minnesota and, um, really girls, youth hockey players in, in particular, um, it, it means a lot for those kids to have something to look up to. And, uh, no, I'm, I'm so excited for, for where the game's at and, and where it's growing. And Rachel, it just feels like the national hockey league now has figured it out. It took them a, a lot longer than it probably should have, but you look at the model that the NBA put out there and you've got mm -hmm. the NBA and the WNBA and and both have flourished for, for many, many years. And so I, I finally looked at this and said, well, that that's the measuring stick we need to have. We have to have those expectations. So when we get a hockey player and I'll use Caitlin Clark as the example, this kid mm -hmm. at Iowa, that's, you know, I mean, just an amazing talent. We have to have a place in hockey for that, that person to land where nothing changes. The momentum stays the same. And these young players, these girls that want to have something to shoot for that deserve to have something on par with the WNBA with the support of the main league, which is the national hockey league. It finally feels like we're there. And I guess, do you see this being not just sustainable, but do you see it being able to live up to what we've seen on the NBA side? I mean, I sure hope so. And I think the big key there is talent, right? Mm -hmm. The WNBA is is the best female basketball players in the world. And so that's why fans show up to watch it. Um, Caitlin Clark, wherever she lands here, is going to bring a whole new fan base to the WNBA as well. I mean, she's the most famous uh, college basketball player, men's or women's right now, right? If not yeah. one of the most famous college athletes that there is in sports this year, which is so incredible to see. Um, and on the flip side, looking at the PWHL, uh, I, I would argue this is the very first time that we've had a league where actually all of the best female hockey players in the world are playing in it. Um, that wasn't the case with any previous leagues. You know, a lot of the U S and Canada Olympic girls were doing their own thing. Um, you know, playing in the showcases, things like that, but maybe not necessarily playing for the teams in the other leagues. And so that's the big thing now. We actually have a league where the best of women's hockey is being showcased night in and night out. And I think that makes a difference. Um, so, I mean, I sure hope that this league works. It sure looks like it is, it is going to. Um, and that is really, really exciting. And I think if the best of the best continue to graduate and choose to play in this league, that there's no reason that it can't become, you know, the WNBA of, of women's hockey. And you have a connection to the broadcast side of things because 
these games are all now televised. And Julie Friend, mm-hmm. our, our mutual friend and, and your goaltender on that state championship team, is outstanding at her craft. She's a broadcaster. I'm, I, I'm curious as to how you came to broadcasting. You work at K102 here in the Twin Cities. Uh, you're just a natural. Just talking to you here on, on our show today, just it comes out. You exude um, that conversational side that, that makes the broadcasting career work so well. How did you end up there? Well, thank you. I, I mean, I really appreciate that. Um, it, it started, you know, back in the day in college, trying to figure out what the heck I wanted to do. Right. Um, like every, every college kid knowing I wasn't going to play in a professional women's hockey league, uh, the last day of, of senior year, I needed to have a plan. Um, and with that being, being the case, it was, do I want to get into, you know, business? Do I want to do broadcast? What do I want to do? And so, um, yeah, still work in the broadcast world part-time, which is, um, which is a, a blessing because it's so much fun. And, and I actually started with an internship at uh, at FSN back <laughs> in college, um, shadowing you and, and Marnie and, and the team, um, mainly though Marnie during, uh, during summer and, and during baseball and that time off and kind of seeing the inner workings. And then I was also fortunate enough to intern over at uh, iHeartRadio um, on the K-Fan side of things. <laughs> and heading into senior year, they asked if I, you know, I love country music, if I wanted to do weekends on, on K102. And, uh, I, I jumped on it. Um, and I laugh cause I was doing that all of senior year. And, um, my boss over there said, I asked him, I said, you know, do I have a future in this? Can I do this full time? And he goes, you know, we don't have a spot right now. Go get a, go get a real job. And so I, <laughs> I did. And upon graduating, um, like he called it a real job, but you know, I did, I went and got a job. And upon graduating, he said, Oh, we're going to move you to nights. Um, you know, full time. And I was like, well, I went and got a real job. Like you told me to, he's like, well, do you want to do both? And I said, sure. So, I mean, I've been doing that for, for 10 years now, um, which is crazy that it's been that long, but, uh, it's a, it's a fun passion project of mine. And I, you know, I love, I love that world. Um, it's exciting and it's, and it's new every day. Well, I knew you were born for it because I met you a decade ago in a wild game in Columbus. You were still a member of the golden gopher hockey program. We had you on live during our game broadcast, I'll never forget you walking away and my producer in my ear saying, oh my gosh, is she talented? I said, yeah, you don't see college kids, college hockey players hop on during a live hockey game and feel as comfortable and sound as knowledgeable as you did. And so there was no doubt in my mind, if you wanted to do this, you could do it. So you're my expert. I have three daughters, Rachel. They all love Taylor (laughs) Swift. I went to the movie. I went and saw the Eras Tour movie and was blown away. Number one, is she still a country star? And and number two, are her and Travis Kelsey, is this a thing or is this going to be a lifetime thing? And I know you're a Chiefs fan, so it ties it all together. It does tie it all together. Yeah, my husband is from Kansas City, so um, I feel spoiled from from that perspective. I would really like a Viking Super Bowl, but I'll take a I'll take the Chiefs as a close second here. The last couple of years, um, it's been fun to watch. I would say Taylor Swift is now you know she's a pop star. Yep. Um, not a not a country singer anymore. Granted, she's got a lot of great country music, and um, I'm still keeping my fingers crossed that her upcoming album has a has a little bit of twang to it. Um, but I mean, man, is she is she talented and Um, whether her and Travis Kelsey go the distance, uh, you know, who knows, but I'm rooting for them. Um, I think it's incredible for the sport of football. People can argue back and forth, right. But highest viewership in women in history, the, I think there were 8 million more views, um, viewers for the Super Bowl this year. Um, the most viewed game in history than compared to last year, it's, it's changing the game. And if you want to bring, if you want to bring women into a sport, that's a great way to do it. Right. Um, yep. 
getting, getting young girls, getting, um, them to watch, watch football. I'll be honest. I didn't watch any football growing up. I was hockey all day, every day, 24 seven. That was it. Um, and when I met my husband in college, he played football and, uh, it was pretty awesome to have my eyes open to, for me, a whole new sport, um, that I have, you know, fallen in love with. And hopefully Taylor Swift can, can do that for, for young girls. Right. Um, we might not be playing professional football, but man, I love watching football and basketball and baseball and hockey now. Um, and it has just opened up so many more doors into like into passions and, and things I love to watch and do. And so I think, uh, I think she's great for the sport. I do too. And I just, I, I found that movie to be just remarkable. I, um, you know, I, I came to sports because I love being around and touched by greatness. And I go back to that 1980 Miracle on Ice, but on a daily basis, I, I get to watch Kirill Kaprizov. I get to watch mm-hmm. Mark Andre Fleury, and when I walked out of that movie, uh, it's almost three hours long, and watched the way she performed, I was blown away. Now I'd taken my daughters, all three, to a concert at the Excellent Energy Center probably I don't know ten, twelve years ago. Before she was this version of Taylor Swift, she was still big mm-hmm. back then, but it's just gotten out of control. And her concert was tremendous. It was a theatrical performance. It was unbelievable. But this movie. And seeing the way she performed and having those camera angles and having uh, that power. Like, I'm in a theater up in Toronto on the Wild Beat, and it's a Friday night, and it's packed. And I'm the oldest guy in the theater by far, and I don't care. I'm just there to be entertained. Open bar, like, down in the the lower (laughs) bowels of the movie where you could go up and buy, like, uh, any type of concoction you wanted. And people standing and singing the entire time, clapping. I'm like, they're clapping after every song. And you know she can't hear you. It's it's a movie screen. It didn't matter. These people were just bizarre and just gone crazy over this uh, amazing performance. But she is special. She's extraordinary. And you're right. She is bringing a whole new audience to football. I'm all there and I'm all for it. Well, and you got to tell me, you you were up singing and dancing with your daughters, weren't you? <laughs> Back at the concert, yes. At the movie, I did not move. <laughs> um, I sat there and just took it all in. I was in awe of these of these fans. But at the concert I did, and it was the concert where I don't remember the song. And, and again, I can hear my three daughters cringing if they're listening to this. But at the end, there was rain on the stage at, at the X. Like it literally mm-hmm. rained on the stage. And she was like singing uh, while being rained on. And the place was going bananas. And they it it was, you know, I, I lived in an era where Madonna was queen back in the 80s and the early 90s. And her concerts were unlike anything I had seen before. Taylor Swift took it to another level. Same idea with the costume changes and, and, and the different ways of connecting with the audience. It, it was a, it was a really cool night. And I kind of got dragged to that concert. There were, there was five of us and my significant other, it was her idea. And I'm like, yeah, I don't know, Taylor Swift. I, I don't know about this. And then I, I left thinking, I'm really glad I went. She's fantastic. See, and that's the, that's the coolest thing. And maybe, you know, what this, what she does for football is, um, dads and daughters sit down on, on Sundays next fall and they watch a game and then they come on tour and, and dad takes their daughters to the show. Right. Yeah. Um, it's a cool, it's a cool connecting point. And I think, uh, I think sports is, is that in, in general, um, you know, that's like I said, talking about not to bring it back to my dad, but talking about just, um, the relationship that we have and, and had growing up, um, it was, it was built around hockey from, you know, a young age, just, that was everything at the time. Um, and so I think for kids, whether they're playing sports or, or watching sports, especially for dads and daughters, um, it can be such a cool connecting point. How much hockey does your dad watch now? And, and how much do you guys maybe talk about the games? Oh, are you going to kill me if I say none? 
That's okay. Um, <laughs> he watched an awful lot and played an awful lot over the years. I wouldn't, I wouldn't hold it against him. Yeah. He, I will say, I will say not, um, not much. Uh, and he, and he never won a cup. Um, so that it pains him to, uh, it pains him to watch the Stanley cup playoffs. Um, when the wilds in it, he, he watches, but, um, honestly, I think, I think it's been all about his, his kids, right. Um, watching sure. my brother and myself play in, in college, I know brought him and, and my parents and everybody, a lot of joy. And, uh, my brother's coaching now. Um, he coaches at Minnetonka, which, um, has been really fun. So wow. if he's going to go watch anything, He's going to go go watch the skippers and uh, and my brother on the bench. Well, right now, number one in both boys and girls double A hockey, your Minnetonka skippers. That's got to be pretty fun. Yeah, gotta love it. I went back to Pagel with some, actually, with some friends from high school um, to go watch. Uh, one of my friends is is engaged to, to a coach on the Eden Prairie team, and so they were playing Eden Prairie, and she showed up in an EP hat, and I said, I can't believe you did this. I can't believe you didn't show up in blue, but uh, a few of us went back to go cheer on him. And then my brother on, on the Tonka bench and we have other friends on the Tonka side. And it was surreal, uh, that rink other they've added a second rink, but the actual main rink has not changed at all. And every time I walk in there, it's, it's surreal to be back. All of a sudden I'm, I'm 16 again, watching the boys high school team, uh, play it's, That's how it feels. It's, you know, all these years later, it's, it's pretty funny. And I'll tell you, Rachel, it never changes. I went back to Burnsville ice center. Uh, the week leading up to Hockey Day Minnesota to do some media stuff in the lobby of the arena I grew up playing in. And it looks exactly the same. It's spectacular. And it brought me back. Like, I literally had flashbacks to all those days as a kid uh, playing those games. And I loved it. I, I love that you can go back to your your high school rink and you have that strong connection, that bond, that those butterflies. It It comes back, even just for a moment. I just love that. And I think that's what high school hockey does. We were both so blessed to, to not only play here, but have success in Minnesota with our friends. It, it never leaves you. Like I t when I get a chance to talk to teams and I did so up at hockey day, Minnesota, I reminded them that you're going to do great things. You're going to go on and you're going to go here and you're going to go there and you all have these great goals and you're going to have families and all that good stuff, but you can't replace that time. And I go back to that moment when you all finally get your gear on, right? And it's, 15, 20 seconds before you hit the ice and you look around that room and you're all nervous. You've got the butterflies, but you all kind of have that, that feeling like, okay, we're going to go out there and we're going to do this together. You don't get that anywhere else in life. And I remind them that it's, it's going to stay with you forever. There's not a day that goes by where I don't have a little flashback at some point to those days at Burnsville. I'm sure it's the same for you at Minnetonka. It's funny you say that, that feeling, um, I get asked all the time if I miss, if I miss playing hockey, uh, cause I don't, I don't play anymore. And I graduated so almost 10 years ago now, which is crazy. And I don't miss playing hockey. Um, I miss the competition. I miss the girls. Yes. And I miss that feeling, that feeling that you can't get from anything else. Uh, the adrenaline when your team scores, the team that you're playing on, right? You're on the ice, the adrenaline when something like that happens, um, the adrenaline of winning, the feeling of camaraderie, sitting in a locker room pregame or between periods or postgame, all those feelings that you get with playing any sport, you don't get that when you, you know, even if you're playing in, in women's league, right? It's not quite exactly the same. Um, and I, and I do miss that. Um, but I also remember, you know, talking about all these, these ranks, especially parents now know that hockey sure is a, is a 24 seven sport, right? Three, six, five. And uh, you travel a lot and you play in a lot of rinks. And I can remember with such clarity, um, even Warroad and, and Rozo and, 
EP and, and Braemar and Bloomington and, and Burnsville and all those rinks, right, that I played in so many times. And uh, Blake, always one of my favorite rinks to be in. Um, but all of those rinks that are that are still there, too. It's kind of crazy to think that in 20 something years, most of these rinks have not changed at all. Um, and, you know, I don't have kids yet, but um, when I do, if, if they throw skates on and, and play hockey, it'll be something I think one day to step back into some of those rinks. Um, and have and have nothing. Nothing have changed. That's the best part for me is they don't really change that much. Braemar Arena is another rink where it was for many years a house of horrors for us that that played at Burnsville growing up, and we finally got the monkey off our back that senior year. But no, you walk into those rinks and it does bring back certain memories. Hockey schools, off season skating, whether it was Bloomington mm-hmm. Ice Gardens, Minnetonka. I'd come out to Minnetonka and play out there once in a while. It does bring you back. So now we've we've gotten through the uh, the full conversation. We've learned. From start to finish, what a remarkable uh, player you were. But now we're getting to the hat trick hot seat time. And I think with some of these questions, there's only three of them. Uh, there's no wrong answer, Rachel, but I think I might have the answer in my mind. I'm going to see if what I think is the answer matches what the eventual answer is. And are you ready for the hot seat? Yeah, I like that. Hit me. All right. First question. Your favorite hockey movie is? <laughs> You're probably going to guess Miracle. Um, uh, of course. And and it would be, but it depends on the mood I'm in. If I need a little inspiration, uh, you know, it's going to be a miracle. But um, Goon is oh, come also on. Goon is a great, a great movie. It's hilarious. <laughs> so it's if I need a if I need a laugh, hockey movie or not, uh, and I haven't seen it in way too long. I need to throw that on the throw that on the list for this weekend. Um, yeah, Goon or Miracle, depending on the mood and and what I need. Okay, where does Mystery Alaska line up for you? Is it? I've never seen it. Are you serious? I'm dead serious. All right. As the movie guru, and I'm self-proclaimed in that category, I, I highly recommend um, Mystery Alaska. It's um, it's not as good as Miracle. The hockey scenes aren't quite to that level. I'm just going to put that out there right away. I mean, you've got Russell Crowe on skates, so you got to kind of take <laughs> it for what it's worth. But it's a great story. It's a, it's a fun movie. And we just lost one of my um, favorite comrades in the broadcast world this past uh couple months that's uh, Doug McLeod who was a longtime broadcaster for Gopher Hockey and along with the North Stars back in the day that miraculous cup run they had in in the early 90s anyway Doug's in that movie and he steals the show so put it on your list uh try that one and yeah miracle I'm sorry the rammer line that the kids said yeah I just think that's fantastic. I got it all. I, I got it all the time. And you know, I'm not gonna. I'm not gonna lie to you. I remember <laughs> freshman year, and you just want to be. You just want to be cool. You just want to fit in, right? And I walked out of the rank, and a couple of the senior hockey guys they, they go, "What's up, Rammer?" <laughs> and I like, I like got picked up, and I was like, "I'm gonna start crying." I was like, "I'm not Rammer. Like, what is this?" Um, and then I leaned into it because I've been uh, both my brother, my sister, and I have all been uh, have all been called Rammer now our our entire lives. Fantastic! I love it. All right, question number two on the hat trick hot seat. Uh, your very first hockey hero, who was it? I think I mentioned his name earlier, um, but it's got to be Brad Brown. Um, he played for the Wild. It's got to be early two thousands. Not going to be a name. I don't think that stands out to a lot of people. Um, and it probably wasn't really for the player that he was on the ice, but he's the player that sticks out to me from my, from my childhood, because he's just one of those guys that, you know, paid attention to you as a kid. And I think that's all you can ask for as, as a, as a kid, um, going over to the rink and I'd step out there and get on the ice and he'd come out and drop the gloves and throw my Jersey over my head as I'm, as I'm skating around and like, you know, nine, 10 years old, not even, 
Um, and that was, that was special. And so it didn't need to be the, it's always been like that for me. It doesn't need to be the superstars. It's just the the players that you respect. Right. Yeah. And, and in that era, uh, the wild used to practice over at parade ice gardens. And when mm-hmm. I started as the women's coach at St. Thomas, that was our home rink. And so we had a unique connection to those guys on those early years with the with Minnesota wild. And so we would always practice directly after the wild. We'd usually take the ice in the middle of the afternoon. They were just getting done. And it was a really cool um, sequence for our players to have that that little time to watch the NHL guys practice and then connect with them after practice. Stefan Vu ended up dating one of my star players, Tiffany Petermeyer, um, during that time frame. And he was a young player in the league. She was, you know, more of a you know, 19, 20, 21-year-old in our hockey program. But, um, yeah, just watching Jacques Lemaire coach um, and, and watching those guys practice on the same ice that we used, it was super inspirational for our team because we had made the the switch over from club hockey in 1998 to division three. And it was a big, big learning curve. And to have those guys out there, a lot of them would stick around and talk to our players and were super friendly about, you know, helping us along. And then some of those guys would stick around, watch our girls practice for the first five or 10 minutes. They probably had nothing else to do and were bored out of their mind, but um, there was a connection there and, and those guys were fantastic. And I think, because they were new to Minnesota, they kind of embraced the community. And mm-hmm. I look back at those years and, and and just cherish the time that we shared Parade Ice Gardens with them. And your dad was right out there with them. Yeah. I mean, what a cool experience. And I was going to ask you how many guys stuck around to hang out with the girls because everybody is the, is a similar age at that point, right? right. Um, which is funny. I've got numerous friends who've met their met their husbands playing, playing pickup hockey because they were just sitting on the bench together. Um but I mean, no, what a, what a cool, cool experience. And I remember following the guys around at, at parade as a kid too. Um, it's, it's so funny that they used to, it, it is crazy to think that they used to, used to practice over there. It's changed a lot. I was at it practice has. here a couple hours ago over at, at Tria. Now they have open practices and they have today, we had like over 1100 people at practice and I'm leaving the rink to come do this podcast with you and Kirill Kaprizov is standing in the doorway and Last week, it was Marc-Andre Fleury. Today, it was Kirill. And there had to be 200 people waiting to get an autograph. And he sat there and signed everything, took pictures with these folks. I, I just think it's it's changed a lot. And I think the fact that the Wild now are able to have their own facility and, and have a place where fans can come watch the team practice. A lot of families that have three, four kids maybe can't afford to come to a hockey game. And they get to come to practice and, and check out the Wild and have a chance to interact with the players. I think it's fantastic. Yeah. I mean, the players sticking around to do that too. That's whether you're the super, I mean, obviously he is the superstar. Um, so he's gonna be the favorite player of a lot of people, but, um, when you do that, it, it makes, it makes an impact. Um, I think when anybody gives, you know, whether it's a, an adult or a kid, um, just a second of their time and, and shows that respect, it's, um, it goes, it goes such a long way. It sure does. Now the last one on the hat trick hot seat, it's an easy one for me and it, it ties into your family because it was your dad in 1980. And I was having a bunch of buddies over for a sleepover. It was the week of my birthday. I was turning 13 and to watch team USA beat rush. It was, it will, it will never be topped. And there's nothing that can happen in my lifetime. That's going to ever top that. And if the wild win a Stanley cup, it'll be a close second. Honestly, that game, uh, being there that night with my buddies playing knee hockey, watching the miracle on ice unfold. It was it was a remarkable time in my life. I was a 13-year-old kid, so it had a, a different type of impact. I'm curious for you, though, the, the best hockey game that either you attended or maybe you watched it on TV that, that stands out as number one on your list. Uh, 
I think, I mean, I think back to when I was a kid too. It's got to be 03. So I was yes. 11, 12 years old. Um, you know, that wild playoff run mm-hmm. that they had. And I stayed up, you know, at, they were Colorado, the first um, Colorado, Vancouver. Those were some late games. And I stayed up to watch all of them. My mom was nice enough to let me go into school late those, those <laughs> next mornings. Um, game seven versus the Avs uh, overtime. Andrew Brunette goal. Um, I couldn't tell you what happened the rest of the game that, you know, the rest Doesn't of the game was, I was little, but that, but that goal, that moment, um, for me, I, I think something, there's something magical when, like you said, you were, you were 13 for the, the 1980 game. There's something magical too, about watching these moments as a kid. Um, and they're, they're sometimes they're amplified and the way they stick out is amplified, but I remember sitting on, sitting on my living room floor, uh, watching, watching that game. And I actually had, you may remember these, the, the foam claws that the wild used to sell um, yes. that were huge that you wear on your hand. And I had one of them at home and I had picked this thing to pieces. It was just in, in shreds from watching those games sitting there in the living room. But, um, but that's the game. Yeah. Game seven wild versus abs. Oh, uh, three. Great pick. And when I get to watch that goal back and we've done a couple of things, even during COVID, we replayed that game on Valley sports and, and I got to sit there and kind of narrate some of the big moments. I still get chills. When I see Andrew Burnett deking in on that goal, beating Patrick Waugh and the celebration, he drops his stick and they go crazy. It, it was such a big upset. And they were Hall of Famers up and down that roster for Colorado. And, I, you know, I work with Wes Walls now. I see Darby Hendrickson at the rink every day. And we have conversations every now and again about just the mentality that those teams brought in. And your dad was a part of that coaching staff that allowed that team to just understand if they played a certain way, if they believed, if they fought the good fight, they could actually pull that off. And the fact that they went out there and beat that team and then validated that by beating, I would say, almost an equally talented team from Vancouver in the next round the same way in seven games. It's no wonder they ran out of gas against Jaguar and the Ducks. But those those two playoff series still, to me, resonate. You know, 20-plus years later, I can kind of go back and remember some of the key plays in all those games. So I'm glad you picked that one out. I'm most happy we had a chance to converse today because it again reminded me just how talented you are and the way you can convey the game and your memories. Uh, you have a gift. So I hope you stay with it in one way, shape or form or the other, Rachel, you are such a talented broadcaster and so much fun to talk with. Thanks for doing this today. No, I appreciate it. Thank you so much for having me. And, uh, you know, I feel, I feel really washed up now. Um, <laughs> but it's, it's fun. It's fun to think back and, and look back on these memories. So I, I appreciate you giving me the chance to do that today. You want to feel washed up? Come back from Arizona working the wild road trip with a limp and tell everybody you got hurt taking a walk outside your (laughs) hotel. Then you'll know what washed up really is. So you're far too young to be washed up. And uh, this was a real, real pleasure today. So again, I really appreciate your time. Yeah, thank you. We're back on Wooden Sticks. Really truly enjoyed the conversation with uh, with Rachel Ramsey and we'd like you to be involved uh, as we move forward here and connect with former players coaches and managers from the great state of Minnesota on the hockey side Karen Cleary is the one to come in contact with K Cleary C-L-E-A-R-Y at talknorth.com get your product out there get your company front and center on a hockey centric show that's going to take a look back with some of the uh, the great stars of our game that have ties to Minnesota, and Rachel, certainly those ties run deep. State champion, three-time national champion, and the daughter of 
Mike Ramsey, who was a part of that staff with uh, Jacques Lemaire and the Miracle on Ice. And I, I always get a little twinkle in my eye when I'm able to talk about that game in 1980. That's a game that will always stay with me, as we talked about here today. That movie stands out as a great sports movie, so it always ties into our hat trick hot seat at the end of our conversations with different luminaries from the game. But uh, 1980 was a turning point for hockey here in the States, and it's in great hands now. And you look around and see the unbelievable talent that, that we're producing here and, and watching Brock Faber and, and, and Matt Boldy right now for the Minnesota Wild gives you some hope that these two guys might be a part moving forward representing Team USA. And uh, there's a lot of buzz around both those guys. And there's a lot of buzz around the PWHL. And we got into that uh, with Rachel, that, that pro hockey on, on both the men's and women's side right now is in good hands. Uh, you're seeing the game grow tremendously. Having one defined league with all the superstars is what women's hockey needed to do. They had kind of been shooting themselves in the foot over the years, having multiple leagues and not having a solid direction for players to go. They've got the right markets right now, too. You're, you're in Minnesota. You're in Boston. You're in Montreal. You're in these places where hockey is going to flourish. And I guess the only question I have moving forward, it's something to at least think about, is what I love about the WNBA is they play in the offseason. They play in the summer. So if you're a passionate NBA fan, you still have another league to follow when your NBA season is over. It's the WNBA, and it can be just as good. And so will the uh, the P-Dub at some point rotate uh, maybe to not run games on top of the National Hockey League? These are all things moving forward they have to take a look at. They want to continue to grow the game. They want to get the right coverage on the right channel. And maybe moving some games to the summertime will allow them to do that. I don't know. It's certainly something that's worked out awfully well on the basketball side of things. And hockey certainly can stand alone, do it their own way, or they can learn some lessons. Um, but but talking to Rachel and, and just hearing her memories and knowing that I grew up in a world in the 80s where there was no girls hockey. And when, when girls hockey really started to get good uh, in the early 2000s, she talked about it. Uh, we were blessed with some amazing talent. Natalie Darwitz, Chrissy Wendell, the Curtains, the Broats, all the way through. Um, great, I think, pioneers to put the game in the right place, and it's only built from there in the last couple of decades. So we take this journey that we will here on Wooden Sticks. We're going to cover all aspects of hockey, whether it's pros, amateurs, men, women. Uh, there are no boundaries. And if you've got uh, some ideas for, for great guests that you'd like to have on the show, Ping me on uh, Twitter or X, whatever you want to call it. I'm at Gorgomatic21. Love to hear your thoughts. And uh, looking forward to uh, continuing the momentum here with these first couple of shows uh, from Lou Nanny into Rachel Ramsey. I just love talking the game and, and love going back in time to, to relive some of those special moments. Really appreciate your time today on the pod. And again, don't forget to get a hold of uh, Karen Cleary here at Talk North if you want to be a part of the show. I'm Kevin Gorg. This is Wooden Sticks. Look forward to chatting with you down the road here with more great hockey content moving forward.